0: Welcome back to the unorthodox it's been a minute guys uh, today I am elated to say that i have got my second guest on the podcast yes you guys told me you loved what we did with my very first guest this time around i decided to step it up a notch and i'm not just inviting a guest i'm inviting another podcast to actually come on my podcast and the podcast i want to you know introduce to you guys is called council culture and for today's episode I am going to be the interviewer of the author of Council Culture. Now, the author of Council Culture is a friend of mine. You know, we've come from way back. Eh? We did, we went through law school together. This is a guy I've grown to admire, you know, and respect because of his craft. You know, sometimes we be in society and we feel like we're the baddest guys around. Eh? But eh, sometimes, what sanganga? Why together and this guy trust me guys this guy is the real deal but enough about me talking about him let me let the man of the hour speak for himself hello this is council culture uh, authored by Romo Gerard I'm honored to have you man I'm honored to like even be interviewing you man uh, one thing I think the audience would like to know is why the name counsel Culture? The name Council Culture, you know, this is basically about
1: counseling people in the sense of the professional way. You know, counsel is an alternative name for a lawyer or an advocate. So this is opposed to the Council Culture, the Council of CEL that you people know of being the author of Council Culture, one would ask what inspired you to start this podcast or to start this whole thing. I mean to start these things. But you see I have passion in educating people. I also have passion in learning. So because I love learning, I feel so good when I'm making others learn. I mean you get to talk about a lot of things in a very simpler way and I mean you discuss societal issues that affect the people and even today
0: I'm here to do the same my brother how is the going man I'm already loving this now personally man rent has been on my case said Kulimba. Now I know I'm not speaking alone. There are a lot of you guys in mind you look at the phone like it's not yours. I was there thinking to myself, how can I be a lawyer and still have the same concerns as an everyday person? I'm also worried the landlord can actually decide to evict me. Now, I wouldn't want to lie to you guys that I've been overly invested in the tenancy law. But this guy, Echamule says Nechimulete Doctor and Podcast, is because, Hainachaya chaya to Gamba, Moyo Field. So, Mr. Lumo, interestingly, you're not alone. Just like
1: you said, uh, the author of Council Culture is also facing the same problem. My friend, the economy has become the economy. <laughs> it's, it's, it is no longer on Things have since changed. But, Talking about rent, there is actually a new law in place, no. the Landlord Tenant Law. This is a law that is that was actually assented to recently here mm. on the 7th of June 2022. Wow. How old is it? Do the math. Yeah, it's a very, very young law. But uh, I took time and went through that law. But because I'm finding problems with my landlord over rent payment mm. and I want to see do I get any protection from that law but guess what there are a number of things that you have got to notice in the new law that are very very imperative to our societies and I think you who is there should also know about them and if we go through it I think it will be to a very 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 good advantage
0: so can i please take you through these things or well i don't don't think it's even a question of you taking us through it's more about educating us Hmm? now what i want a listener out there to understand is what do you need to know at least what are the basics you would need to know about this law because this is a law that touches something that is very integral in society we all need housing so the largest percentage of uh, the population is still they're still tenants so what do you need to know and this is where i want Lumujara to give us uh, the legal perspective on things
1: yeah thank you I, I think we all know that when you're entering into a tenor's arrangement in most cases there has got to be an agreement that is what people know but what does the law say about that there's a very interesting section in the new law which is section three that talks about the tenor's agreement did you know that a tenor's agreement can be in writing that is one. Two, it can be by word of mouth where you do not execute any kind of document but the two parties just verbally agree that you know what, you're going to rent my premises at this figure and you pay like this and we move forward. There is also that arrangement. Then you can also uh, put it partly in writing and then Uh, you partly just agree by word of mouth where you say ah that one we don't need to state you'll be paying the water bills you'll be paying the electric bills as a a tenant but we don't necessarily need to state that but you state other terms as to payment of rent and what have you then by implied by conduct do you know there could be no agreement either by word or by writing that you're going to be my tenant but by virtue of the fact that you stay in my premises you've been remitting rent or money to me in form of rent and i mean you have been staying at my premises secondly uh you even stopped by law you are my tenant by virtue of your conduct or previous conduct someone might be wondering what then do you mean by stopped i mean it is just like uh, deterring someone from changing from an earlier position you get. I mean, if it's been implied that you've been staying in my premises, you're bad by law or deterred by law to say that look, I have not I'm not your tenant, yet you've been staying in my premises. But now uh, the question that would come into play then is what governs the two persons if there is no agreement? One would wonder, look. We do not have an agreement what then governs us. There is this law. It has set down the obligations of the tenant and the obligations of the landlord. And in a case where there is no agreement, at least the landlord should keep the details of the tenant and as well as the payments. Whenever the tenant makes payments, the landlord has got to keep them. But as a landlord, before you enter into an arrangement, or as a tenant, before you enter into an arrangement with the landlord, you need identification documents. And by identification documents, this law refers to only three documents the national identity card, the passport, the driving permit. And probably the fourth one is the student's ID. And there is no tenant or landlord is allowed to enter into this transaction without at least this identification document. Then, what about if the tenor's agreement is by law required to be in writing? One would be wondering, so what if I don't put it in writing? Is it an option that every tenor's agreement, you can decide not to put it in writing? Or there is a limit to that. Indeed, there's a limit when you look at section 4 of the new law any agreement that is 25 currency points and above when I talk about 25 currency points a currency point is equivalent to 20,000 shillings So what does that imply? This implies that any agreement that is beyond 500,000 or 500,000 and above must put in writing Then one will wonder, what if I rent premises? My rent is about 800,000 and we have never written anywhere. Does that mean if I go into arrears, the landlord cannot claim for that money? Of course he can, because at the end of the day, there is a contractual relationship from which you stop to deny. However, the coming of the new law requires that the landlord ensures that such an arrangement is put into writing or it can even be a data message but so so as long as it is in a written a written form and for the landlord to enforce it or any of the parties to enforce it the other party must admit that indeed there was an agreement but remember the agreement can be implied. So it's not just a matter of you coming and you deny, ah, you see what? <laughs> it can be implied. I mean, it can be implied, that you've been staying in the guy's premises, and I mean, it is evidently clear. So the previous conduct exhibits that indeed, you have been a tenant. Now all the legalese have been formed. Now the question, the, the very reason why we're even here today. Exactly. The conversation that we started with the rent, the rent issue. Now, there has always been a problem, and this is a very common problem to the society. Where the tenant says, "I paid you up to June," the landlord says, "No, you paid up to March." They even reach an extent of going to court, and the landlord says, "No, me, I don't issue receipts to my tenant." A common practice. In, in in many uh, societies where the landlord does not issue receipts. Now the new law is very strict on this. Upon payment by the tenant, the landlord must issue a receipt to the tenant. And when the landlord does not issue a receipt immediately, at least within the next five working days. So as a tenant, you have the right to ask for a receipt if the landlord does not issue one. And I think this can even solve the problem of receipt issues. They have now brought a new law. The premises are within a city or a municipality and the rent exceeds $500,000. is a requirement for the landlord to provide their accounts, bank accounts where the money should be deposited. What does that mean? That means that do you even need a receipt when you have the deposit slip? On the account unless no. if he provided the wrong account you get so you see what the lawmaker was trying to achieve and indeed it works now there's is, there's is also a very serious problem with rent increment when it comes to increment of rent or call it an increase of rent as they call it in the law has always been a problem you get Immediately from COVID, I want to never yongeza rent from 500 to 700. I remember I was renting somewhere at work. They increased from 1.5 to 1.8 just immediately after COVID. On a note of about a week, wow. and I mean you must comply. This law has come to address all those issues. And indeed, yeah. it has addressed them. When can a landlord increase rent? One, it must be not more than 10% increment. There must be a notice of 60 days. Number three, under this section as a requirement. The landlord cannot increase rent in an interval of less than 12 months, which is a year. So if a landlord increases rent this year, he must wait for another full year to increase and by a maximum of 10% with a notice of 60 days. Man, these things are very interesting. I think,
0: <laughs> I think the tenant is now very protected here, right? Of course, I'm enjoying this man. We have a problem with math. Can you please help us compute that 10%? Let's say for example I pay a chinana. Hmm? What is 10% of a mituwalu chinana? Sige a mituwalu munana. Exactly. Munana, Joker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but let me let Council Gerard proceed. This is
1: council culture. I told you it is very educative and it basically looks at societal issues that literally affect you see 10 percent. please do the math you you see for us lawyers are not good at maths we, we only know how to count money but numbers are uh, but still <laughs> <laughs> uh, but still uh, you realize that this law has really 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 favored Tenants. Really, if you cannot pay rent as a tenant where an increment in a year can only be 10%, let's say you're paying 1 million and the increment is just 100,000 per annum, where you even have to receive a notice of 60 days, sincerely speaking, what more do you want of the lawmaker? Let's appreciate them at least for once. Yeah, this, this law is really very, very, very protective to the tenants, but also the landlords have been protected. How? What happens if you default on paying his rent? Look at section 27 of the new law. They are also protected. You know, landlords have been facing problems of tenants uh, occupying and possessing their premises for about six months, three months, four months without paying them money. Notwithstanding the fact that they pay rent, Uh, uh, what these taxes red taxes and what have you so many taxes so the law has come to solve this problem really the lawmakers were really very 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 uh, protective of all parties so what happens if a tenant does not pay rent for let's say three months or two months or six months the law has set the record straight and very clear if as a tenant you don't pay your rent for a period of 30 days and more. The landlord has a right to re-enter and take possession of his premises. So that means for you typical defaulters who think that you're very well protected under the previous section that I've been telling you, you're here to be caught. So please, the landlord's have also been protected he has a right to re-enter and there must be a presence of the local council authorities as well as
0: the police so those who have been thinking that i mean they have to wait for me for you know before this law was enacted there have been situations where prior to a landlord evicting a tenant they had to acquire a court order was it Followed by these other prerequisites you just talked about. So, I want to know, how does Mm -hmm. that ease the rights of a landlord to like, make good his loss? Because initially he had to take all these formal proceedings, Mm -hmm. getting a court order. You see, you
1: see now, the law is very clear. The landlord does not need to first go to court to have you evicted with a court order. So as long as you're in arrears of 30 days that is a month and he has evidence to that effect he only needs to go and report to the lc get the local council authorities report to police get police officers they have you evicted and he repossesses his property i mean what more do they want they have saved them a very big burden and remember by him repossessing his property or making a reentry on his premises by evicting you, does not waive his right to claim in courts of law with competent jurisdiction his money in arrears. So notwithstanding that you've been evicted, you're still subject to payment or paying the previous arrears that you you you're obliged to pay. You get. So The landlord ought to know that the law has lifted a very very big burden from them and the burden i'm talking about lawyers may not be happy when i'm mentioning this (laughs) (laughs) because because but it is council culture because it seems to take away clients from them Mm -hmm. they no longer need to come to lawyers to claim their money back no Those days, they would have to go put in money. So as long as the money is not above 10 million, Mm.
0: they
1: can go under what we call small claims. In small claims, lawyers are not allowed there because court treats this as a mechanism that is basically... To help those who do not even have the capacity to afford a lawyer. I mean someone is just claiming 3 million. What then does he have to pay a lawyer? Someone is claiming 5 million, 8 million. The ceiling of small claims is 10 million. Court believes that a person who is claiming any monies that is less than 10 million does not have the capacity to hire a lawyer. And in that case they appear by themselves. I don't want to go into the procedures of small claims that would be for another podcast yes. but for now, at least you know a landlord who is demanding a tenant an amount that is not exceeding ten million can go through small claims so basically that is what I have to say about rent as my colleague had requested <laughs> we know there, there there are a lot of other things that have not talked about in the law maybe we shall find time and talk about them also because there are there are so many but these are the most crucial and pertinent things that i thought are a must share on the council culture remember it's about learning educating and basically discussing and conversing about societal issues
0: thank you Very much, Council Gerard Lomo. This has been Council Culture.